Hello, and welcome back to the Cult Standard, your movie podcast for all the cult films fit to follow. My name is James. And my name is Mike. And today on the Cult Standard, we are going to be doing Near Dark, Catherine Bigelow's vampire movie. Just like we said, nothing could have possibly gotten in the way of that plan. Uh, so here we are. Mike, what did you think of Near Dark? Um, I thought the movie was too damn hard to find <laughs> because that movie, believe it or not, is currently not available, at least from either of our experience, through any legal means. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not available to rent or buy digitally anywhere. Um, it might be available at a video store if A, those ex still exist, and B, if they're not closed to the pandemic. So, uh, and we figured this out last night when we were going to watch it. I just called Mike up and I was like, so Mike, have you, have you watched Near Dark yet? And I was really hoping he was going to say no, because be, then it, I would be the, I'd be the screw up. Um, and he's like, no, no, I was going to watch it tonight. I'm like, how? <laughs> well, so the, uh, I, I mean, look, the story of, how I even thought to put that movie forward other than that. It's just, it's been on my radar for a long time. Ever since I heard the name Catherine Bigelow and the term vampire Western from the eighties <laughs> in the same sentence, I was, I was sold and uh, I saw it on the criterion channel and uh, it was under, of course, this should have been a tip off to me. It was under leaving April 30th. It was, you know, they have their list of movies that are, circulating through and that are leaving at the end of the month um and of course i didn't watch it before april 30th and i'm like oh well i will rent it from one of the plethora of digital streaming services that i am sure offer <laughs> this movie as an option uh only to find out that absolutely none of them do um the only caveat to what i said about there being no legal way to watch it you technically can you just have to pay 40 bucks or so for an out-of-print shitty DVD version of it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, you so, buy, the, buy the DVD online and wait a couple weeks for it to get there. But we have a schedule, damn it. <laughs> but you know what kills me, too, is that that, from what I could tell, that uh, version of it that was available on the Criterion channel was in HD. Oh, so what? there is a high-quality print of this that exists. So it yeah, we're currently nowhere. So we're breaking the news. We have an inside source, which is the internet, not having this, uh, that says Near Dark is going to get a Criterion release uh, sometime in Q3 2020 or Q4. Um, we have the scoop. You heard it here first. If anyone were to ask us, have we actually heard this? Uh, our only response could be, no, we haven't heard it. We're just reporting it. <laughs> We're not actually seeing it. We're just reporting it. <laughs> We're just reporting it. Um, so, yeah, it was funny to watch, to, to hear Mike go through the motions, uh, the same motions <laughs> that I went through yesterday. The five, the five stages of... <laughs> <laughs> dark it's in, of near dark grief yeah just and he's like no no, no. so i got to, i found this site that that has streaming things and he's like oh no streaming offers available i'm like is it justwatch.com he's like it is justwatch.com mm -hmm. <laughs> i'm like there's an app actually too it's very convenient <laughs> and then i went through bargaining and then i realized that the only bargain was 40 dollars for a shitty dvd and i'm like no <laughs> um so here we are fumbling on a Saturday night in the middle of a quarantine, wondering what we're going to do, namely what I was going to put forward, because this is my week. This is his so week, far. Yes. I was screwing it up. So I had to, I had to pick something big. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I, I just, I ran through our list of, of prospects and I wasn't sure. Um, was it time? Was this the right moment to do this? And I ultimately came to the conclusion that yes, it was. But now, we were going to open the doors and take a look at the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Right. So, uh, you know, you, you mentioned this is the right time to do this. I'm not sure there's ever a right or a wrong time to, <laughs> to revisit this movie, mm -hmm. if that makes yeah. any sense at all. But, well, uh, you know, I'm, it's kind I'm of a movie, the movie out of time. <laughs> it's kind of a movie out of time. Right. Um, yeah. It's, this movie seems like an anachronism for when it was made, which was... 1984. Uh-huh. Um, and it almost seems like an anachronism for this time, although I kind of want to put the idea forward that this movie is made for the interconnected 
superhero infused movie world that we have now. I'm listening because I'm intrigued. <laughs> well, I want to know how much to how much to to bring this forward now. I guess okay. I'll put this right. as a I, I guess I'll put this forward as a theme to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually it, it the only thing that put this movie on my radar was a YouTube sort of video essay sort of review of it that put this movie in the context of an intertextual superhero universe um, and framed it as essentially one chapter in a cinematic universe in which all other chapters have been lost or destroyed. Ah, okay. So you have a single movie in a sense, the original star Wars, um, if no other sequels or prequels or any other supplementary material had been made around it, you have (laughs) one isolated episode within this larger universe that has intertextual references to other elements in this universe that you never get to see (laughs) and that you just kind of have to put the pieces together yourself. And that is a, that's kind of what got me interested in this because that's a fascinating, um, that's a fascinating prospect for a movie and also kind of puts forward an interesting interpretation of a cult film because, well, here's the thing. It's a bit of a paradox because on the one hand, part of what makes this a cult movie is the lack of other material surrounding it, but also more of a cult following this built up. And there have been sort of, there have been supplementary materials texts whatever made around this movie um usually in the form of comic books and whatnot as far as i can tell but the more that stuff is produced and created and fleshes out this universe in a more literal way it kind of takes away from the aura and the impact of this movie in particular so it's like it it sustains a cult following and the cult following in a sense kind of destroys the allure of the movie a little bit. So I, I kind of, that's, those are my, those are my introductory thoughts to this insane masterpiece. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we, we have to, we'll have to decide, uh, by the end of this episode, we'll save some, save some of the, uh, mystique, whether or not to mm-hmm. join, join the, the cult of, uh, Buckaroo Banzai, mm-hmm. uh, across the, uh, Across the eighth dimension, the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. Just say it yes. a thousand times. Um, yeah. So, and that was good. You were talking about, um, you know, just being like dropped in, and I, I made a, a, a special effort to replicate that experience unknowingly because I always do. But I was, you know, it's always tempting to be like, okay, we're talking about this cold film. Let me just let's get some context. You know, let's find some mm-hmm. context. Let's, let's look this up. Let's find some information. I was like, no, yeah. no, I'm just gonna sit down. I'm gonna watch this on Voodoo with ads, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and just let this movie wash over me. And boy, I'm like, I'm so lost. <laughs> like, what happened? What is all this? Um, well, well, as a, as a, as a primer, first maybe let's introduce everybody to the protagonist, whose Dr. name Buckaroo Banzai is Buckaroo Banzai. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, who, he is parents uh one uh american one japanese yep. parent and so he is simultaneously a physicist neurosurgeon test pilot and musician um and he is and he just he is, it excels at all of those things yes he's absolutely. a bit of a polymath and, yeah i uh, hadn't heard that term before <laughs> to be mm-hmm. honest i don't maybe i had somewhere but hadn't really committed it to memory um and he is, essentially stumbles onto what they refer to as an oscillation overthruster, <laughs> which essentially allows the user to travel through the empty space within objects via the eighth dimension. Turns out My God. that there is a secret within the eighth dimension, a race of aliens called the, what is it, Red Electric? Electroids? Yeah, the red electroids. The red electroids, um, which are a bad alien species uh, that were banished to the eighth dimension by the black electroids, 
which are good alien species. Um, I, I just want a quick pause here. Quick pause yeah, here. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I, I don't know science. All right. I, I, I know movies. I know journalism. Mm-hmm. I know how to play ultimate frisbee. This uh, is all of those things. I can I can edit a, I can edit a podcast. So you know, I knew the the level of which you can just like disengage, um, but and still enjoy the movie. It has to be at the title when you're like, oh, his his adventures across the eighth dimension. You're like, wait, I feel like I missed a couple dimensions here, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like well, there's like well, there's like four, right? Wasn't there four? Where's five, six, and seven? Where'd they go? Right. Well, there are three spatial dimensions, time being a temporal dimension. Mm-hmm. So that's technically four. Five, six, and seven. I don't know, man. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that only contributes to the sense of a grander sky. I mean, maybe the yeah. previous adventure of the Buckaroo Banzai saw him conquering those three dimensions. Who knows? I, I believe it. Yeah. I yeah. absolutely. Um so anyways, continue with your with your Well uh... So inadvertently he is a. Uh, uh, by perfecting this invention of the oscillation overthruster, <laughs> he alerts the red electrodes, red electrodes that are on Earth, um, which are currently using human disguises, except one who is, I believe, possessing the body of Dr. Emilio Lizardo, played by John Lithgow, in what I can only describe as a career high performance um (laughs) so sad (laughs) i am joking but am i um i say that with all respect i love john lithgow i just really loved this role no it's true yeah it's it was pretty great it's full palpatine uh in in terms of not not it's a very different character but in terms of just like the sheer joy of being (laughs) hammy and evil um yeah i was i was actually confused on the um on the logistics there of what I didn't, I didn't know if yeah. he was alien or if he just like lost his mind or something. My, like, my, you know? my interpretation was that his brief foray into the eighth dimension via his, which we get v- through a flashback of yep. an imperfected oscillation over thruster in which he tries to do the same thing and only half succeeds um, and gets half of his body stuck in the eighth dimension before getting pulled out. Uh, my interpretation was that he was in like in some way possessed by one of the creatures. Um, it is not particularly clear. Um, at the very least, he loses his mind and becomes kind of aligned with them. This uh, um, this like oscillation overthruster. It, it's it's amazing to me how much this like plot device is enduring throughout sci-fi. And they, I don't I don't yep. they, I. Like I'm certain they weren't the first to use something like that, and the and I'm they, but they damn sure weren't the last. Um, nope. It's so much so that it, it reminds me of the movie recently, um, Into the Spider Verse, where he had the the little like thumb drive. What did what did he say? The the oh gosh, he's got a little name for it. Yeah, God, I cannot I can't remember Shoot. what that name was. The Goober. The, the Goober. goober. Ah, he calls okay. it a goober. Calls yeah. it a goober. I, you know, I'm gonna make us sound really intelligent by like cutting out some of that uh, that that googling time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You make us sound real intelligent by knowing immediately that they call it a goober. A goober. Yeah. No. I mean, it's like it's you know, parodied that smart in, people say. in yeah, it's parodied in in modern cinema. The idea oh, of this one random science thing that is the key to a, a bigger machine. Oh, in the same way that. Um, something like the flux capacitor from back to the future ends up kind of making its way in a bunch of other sci-fi, you know, it's it yeah, just, it's such yeah. a, it's such a perfect science babble nonsense name. That sounds amazing that <laughs> sci-fi recycles it over and over again, but also of note uh, for this movie in particular is the, re- the references from uh, both previous like pulp fiction media and also kind of like artsy literature that it pulls in so um apparently there's an old comic series that it's like a pulp comic series i was only barely aware of and still kind of am uh doc strange um he's kind of a precursor to like early um sorry doc savage he's like a pulp pulp hero um think like combo of indiana jones and a superhero um and he he's got his uh his crew Oh, his like bandmates, the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Oh, right, called. yeah, the Hong Kong um, Cavaliers. So, that, Doc it, Savage, 
has a crew like that too. And apparently every single one of them corresponds to one member of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Really? It's very, wow. it's very one-to-one. Um, but also um, things like Yo-Yo Dine, which is the, uh, the company that uh, the, sort of the, the fall company that's set up by the, uh, the red, the red, the red electrodes. Yes. Um, who all take on human disguises and they're all named John. Um, <laughs> uh, not, not, just, actually, not just John, Mike, not just John. They have ridiculous uh, names like uh, they, John, John Big Booty. John Big Booty and, and John uh, Smallberries. Smallberries, that's it. Um, uh, but Yo-Yo Dine is actually the name of a fictional... Uh, aeronautics company in the works of famed American postmodern novelist, Thomas Pynchon. Oh, uh, who wrote his magnum opus is gravity's rainbow referenced in uh, knives out the <laughs> book that no, the book that nobody reads. Gravity's um, rainbow. <laughs> so I don't know. It's just this like sort of playful mishmash of high and low cultures that so, I find very interesting. So yeah, I mean, if you're still lost at this point, the the basic, good, the, yeah, doing my job. <laughs> the the basic concept of uh of this of this film is uh that <laughs> this was a fun little detail for me that whole um the whole panic the, that, the whole panic that was caused by Orson Welles radio <laughs> broadcast of H G Wells, which who are who are not related, um nope uh War of the Worlds that caused a panic in in uh, Green Hills. Am I wrong about that? New Jersey. That sounds like a Sonic the Hedgehog stage, James. I don't um, know. New Jersey. Uh, maybe. Um, it's in New Jersey. And uh, But that was actually uh, real, the alien invasion. But then the aliens brainwashed uh, Orson Welles into later saying, no, no, no. Sorry, guys. Just a story. Um, and then years later, you know, these red, red electrodes are trying to get back to their home planet in the eighth dimension. Through the eighth dimension, I think uh, they're trying to free the ones that got free are trying to free the other red electroids from the eighth dimension to yes. take over to take over Earth because that's where they're banished because they, they want Planet Ten. They want Planet Ten, yes. Yeah. Um, Which, of course, is one better than Planet Nine. <laughs> so they want to get math. to the eighth. They want to use the eighth dimension to get to Planet Ten, <laughs> bypassing Planet Nine and also mm-hmm. the five, the fifth, sixth, and seventh dimensions, um, yep. and. Who can stop this dastardly plan but Buckaroo Banzai, who is apparently, as we said, this huge heroic figure in all of uh, the world. Um, uh-huh. he is, you know, I will say he is uh, very famous and very powerful, but even he is surprised to get a call from the president, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> like, I, the president is on the line. The president of what? <laughs> <laughs> yep. I also love how the president is introduced. What uh, what a weird his, thing. His back hurts. <laughs> what a weird <laughs> thing to have. This like it's not relevant He's, to the plot at all. Like no. he could he nothing he could have been just a president sitting behind a desk and nothing would have changed or you know in the situation room walking around, but he he's apparently has some like catastrophic back injury that's caused him to be on this like wheel that rotates a, bit of a him, hamster wheel. Like a hamster but... wheel. And I'm doing this thing with my hand as if the people listening as to the podcast can see, can, yeah. can see this. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm like, why did, why is this? <laughs> I mean, I guess like no small, no small parts, right? No um, small parts. <laughs> you got to put something into it. And you remember I, I just, that. I just want to imagine, I just like imagining in my head canon, this is all part of like, this was the actor's suggestion. They're like, yeah, well, we want you to play the president. And he's like, yeah, but can I have like something? You know, I, I need like a thing. I want. How about a, like a back injury that makes me like have to be in a hamster wheel? <laughs> well, well, James, do you know what I think is great about this movie is that it's all headcanon. <laughs> backstory. The backstory for that. The backstory for uh, I think most infamously, uh, why is that watermelon there? <laughs> Who knows? I'll exp- I'll tell you later. <laughs> he, he says I'll tell you later, and then of course there's there's no later. Nope. <laughs> um, this is all headcanon. This is all you get to fill in the peripheries and the um really the the broader universe that i I mean there's there are movies that take place within a larger universe that are still self-contained stories and this is technically a self-contained story but i was being a bit disingenuous when i compared it to star wars earlier because star wars was made the original one the new hope was made with it being so self-contained if if it ended there. It was a flop and no one cared. 
it would still be a completely comprehensible movie from beginning to end. There are a couple allusion of allusions to things like, um, you know, the, the Clone Wars that are never explained or fleshed out, but like, it's so tertiary, it doesn't matter. With Buckaroo Banzai, despite the fact that it was a one and done thing, um, it has so much of that tertiary material just littered throughout it. Um, Buckaroo Banzai has a dead love interest <laughs> who we find out has a twin sister. Oh, yeah. Who is just, that's he just, a, that's he just other... comes across sobbing in his nightclub while he's performing. <laughs> she's about to shoot herself. <laughs> she's uh, about to shoot herself. I, do we know why? Uh, I, no, I she was having like, a bad day, I think. Wait, she, okay. she, she said she elaborated she's on some things. She's taken, okay, she's taking one down. Yeah. Sing a sad song Stop. just to turn it around. Stop. I'm sorry. Stop. I mean, when you when you talked about when you talked about the Star Wars, I was gonna say that I was gonna add that this is more like dropping in. This is more like only having seen like Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, and yeah, then, yeah. And then there were no other Star Wars movies, and you're like, wait, yeah. wait, hang on. How did we get here? Where are we going from here? Who's that guy? Why did he do this? Yeah, There's a thousand, like, a thousand with, questions. Like um, the thing with Star Wars is nothing that Luke did before A New Hope matters. Yeah. So you're you're entering the story at the the relevant point. Mm-hmm. But this Bucker Bonsai has had quite a history. Yeah, I mean, so here's here's the thing you mentioned in this kind of, when you said one and done. This kind of um, mm-hmm. uh, perked my ears a little bit because it, as of yet it is one and done. But what do you make of the the efforts by uh, the 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 cult of Buckaroo Banzai and you know eighties uh, lovers, eighties film lovers and filmmakers such as one Kevin Smith wanting mm-hmm. to really wanting to uh, bring another entry and or remake of Buckaroo Banzai into the modern lexicon. I think that uh, this speaks to the sort of paradox of the cult following <laughs> that I, I, I put forward at the beginning of this because it comes, that impulse comes, I do believe, from a genuine, sincere love of the material um, and not necessarily like any kind of greed or like desire to to like gratuitously capitalize on it which it better not because this movie was true to cult form a total flop um yeah. didn't even make back half of its production budget um and ironically because they were apparently targeting a lot of star trek fans with this like they released a lot of promotional material to uh like at conventions and whatnot but then <laughs> i believe it was competing with star trek 3 in theaters um, when it came out and just got eviscerated. Oh right, wow. that seems like bad, bad marketing. Very bad marketing. <laughs> I don't, I don't think they knew what to do with this. Which, like, I mean, fair enough, James. If you were a marketing exec <laughs> and were given this, that's I, fair. So, I what mean, would you do? I, I just so I recently got the um, the steelbook version of the Iron Giant that came. Uh-huh. It, the steelbook came originally as part of this big like Iron Giant collection, which I mm-hmm. damn I'm so sad I didn't pull the trigger on. It was like going for like seventy five bucks or something at the time, and it was like uh-huh. a fucking steal, and now you can't find it anywhere. Um, but That's why I they call the, them steelbooks. But I got the hey, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I got the I got the steelbook for my birthday for my lovely no. wife. Um, Yay! And then it had on it a a like a mini doc i think it was like an hour 20 or something like that so not like mm-hmm. that many but like a mini doc about the production of the iron giant and part of the like the marketing failure by warner brothers and what mm-hmm. all went into that so i don't know i've been like sensitive to like when someone says like oh they really well you said something like oh they released it on on uh on the same weekend as star trek 3 i'm like what are you doing what are you even doing well and like do you think like you... star star trek 3 is going to be sold out and then they're going to be like all right let's see buck robots well, and also the fact that they specifically targeted star trek fans it's like yeah. why why would you i don't i don't get I don't it know, it's myself. Like, a, like a two-headed marketing team i don't know you're especially mad at netflix right now for oh well uh, you know for the dragon prince and, which and be tr- fair enough and truthful it it may be much ado about nothing like for for all i know like it has been, you know, greenlit internally. They're just not doing. They just haven't figured out a release date because what mm-hmm. do you do about, you know, they're they're being so invaded right now with with films like that were supposed to mm-hmm. release theatrically. It's um, true. And they don't know what to, they don't know what sort of schedule to adopt now. So absolutely, but I'm sitting here like even given that there would even just like a hey, 
Dragon Prince coming, you know, the kind of thing would be sweet. I know mm-hmm. that I know that the creators are working on it right now. This has been a huge aside. I'm going to keep it all in though, because you guys are here from our. No, keep it in. Sure. This is this um, is interesting. And but uh, and right now too, like, what bigger piece of evidence do you need? Because Avatar: The Last Airbender just came to Netflix, and immediately it it shot up to number one on Netflix. Like when you have, well, and when you, and then when you have a a new thing that is like, hey, this is from the same creators as Avatar: The Last Airbender, our number one. And you're just like, well, I mean, how are we supposed to market this? All right, mm-hmm. what? Are you, how are we supposed to sell this? Like, I, I cannot, I cannot fathom that, uh, that the, level of of ignorance. But that's ironic. But the the kind of ironic thing though is that Avatar, when it released on Nick, had a very similar problem. And uh, I mean, look, I can tie this into uh, a na- the nature of sort of cult material. Bring it uh, a- a- as a whole, where the sort of Anytime you're breaking breaking out with a niche property, you're never going to have a guaranteed audience. And in fact, you're going to alienate a lot of people naturally. The fact that Avatar was this, you know, super elaborate, uh, meticulous, uh, multi-layered show airing on a kid's network immediately limited its audience um, and how and, and even how seriously people could take it. And only now, in retrospect, with the sort of love and uh, that's cultivated around the show over the years and the fact that a lot of its original fans have gotten older now it's got the sort of cultural clout to rocket to number one on netflix easily and in retrospect we can go well yeah they had gold and they didn't know what to do with it but honestly it's very different starting from square one and i think that's sort of a similar thing to what happened here and tying it back into that conversation as well about sort of people wanting to people like Kevin Smith wanting to create a new installment of it. I think that is simultaneously a real testament to the movie's impact and legacy and also fundamentally anathema to what is appealing about the movie, which is it's isolated. It's weirdly isolated nature as like almost one installment in a huge franchise that doesn't exist. <laughs> so, I mean, one thing for me is like, I, I really like, I, I guess that I'm of two minds. Like one, I don't think like, there's no reason for any movie to exist. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll just, I'll just say that. I mean, movies, they, they, sometimes they have good messaging. Sometimes they're escapist and, mm-hmm. and their art, art always has impact, but I don't think there's ever a thing where it's like, well, why does that movie exist? Like you why does any movie exist? But I have to wonder, you know, if a movie like has served a purpose, like Buckaroo Banzai, what other purpose are you serving by creating it again? Like, I think, I think, mm-hmm. like, there are some r- movies that are really ripe for a, a remake or a redo. Part of that is because I think there's maybe there was a missed opportunity, or maybe now the like something about the culture has changed that you can look at the same material through a new lens, things like that. But I don't think I'm never compelled by just this movie was good and it's really well liked. So let's make this movie again. What are you mm-hmm. doing? What are you adding to the conversation? Again, like just mm-hmm. l- looking past the idea that there's no reason for any of these conversations to be had in the first place. So throw that out, like whatever. But yeah. now that, now that this conversation has already been had, what are you adding by doing it again? Um, right. You know, an example to me, I like. I would really love to see a a remake of uh, "There's Something About Mary." Uh, have you uh, have you have you seen that recently? Not recently. Not so, post Me Too. If that's well, what you're getting at, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not really getting at Me Too, but I guess uh, looking at it in a different lens, it's like I I I love what it almost did, but it just did not have the balls to follow through because. There's something about Mary, right? Is this idea that Mary is this like amazing, you know, I- ideal woman that everybody wants and everybody clamors for, and they do these ridiculous things like they that are tantamount to stalking to to get in her good graces. And the movie, to its credit, addresses that very fact. There's a big moment where where Ben Stiller is like kind of has this realization that. Because the whole time he's been thinking, no, no, I'm the good guy. And then there's these weird skeevy guys that also want Mary. 
And he's like, you know, I'm, I'm not like them. I'm not. I'm not like them. But then he has this big realization. He's like, no, I am like them. I'm. Mm-hmm. I'm no better in whatsoever than this creepy guy who's stealing her shoes. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm doing the same thing. I. I only like Mary because of how she makes me feel. I don't care about her. Um, mm-hmm. There's two problems with how they handle this. One. Uh, ben Stiller's big idea is because it was planted that she once had a relationship with with Brett Favre that didn't go anywhere because one of these guys ruined her relationship. So his plan is like, I'll just give her to another man um, because he brings he brings uh, Brett Favre back into the picture. And I'm like, I that okay, uh, this is okay. You, you kind of missed the point. And then two, she rejects Brett Favre and goes after Ben Stiller at the end. <laughs> like I'm like, you you had it. You had it, you had it, and you gave it away. And that's why I'm like, I would really love to see a, a remake of, of this movie directed by a woman that does go, go could, over the same realizations that they did, but then sticks the landing. Because uh, it could elaborate, yeah, and it could elaborate on those themes a bit more um, co- coherently. Yeah. No, I mean, I was I was really shocked when I watched it again. I was like, wow, they're actually like going going with this they're actually saying like yeah he's he's being a creep and we you know you all these men are being very selfish and they're idealizing her not th- looking at her as a person um and then they're like nah, no nah, never mind <laughs> yeah so i having seen buckaroo bonsai and ha- having enjoyed it and i'll go- talk to more of the reasons why i enjoyed it i just i don't see what the other uh, I, and it's not to say the answer doesn't exist but i don't see what doing it again could could bring to that conversation that we're talking about and again like i i'm open-minded so if you have a pitch for me or Mm -hmm. or if there is a as someone is pitching something out there or and if this does ever come to light i want to be i want to be uh i want to feel excited like oh okay they're going in a new direction this is good yeah i i mean for me i even go so far uh, i'd even go so far as to say I, i don't see how a sequel would not do harm to yeah the first movie I, not i mean not necessarily look i i'm pretty liberal with like if there's a movie in if there's an installment in like a series that i don't like i just like discount it i don't care like <laughs> what do you mean the Rise of skywalker thing. wasn't amazing You're right like i in my mind i just go okay cool the last jedi was a really interesting way to end it. i i wish they would make a sequel to the last jedi that'd be um, cool <laughs> that would be cool um but I, I I can't see how it wouldn't just have the fundamental function of uh, of I guess undercutting some of the right. appeal of the original, which again kind of highlights what is so fleeting and precious about certain types of cult film, um, in that they do kind of spring up and they're non you can't replicate them, you know, and anytime you do, it's like you you tarnish a little bit of what made the first one appealing so i love this as its own isolated thing and just something that i think speaks more to the movie going public now who is used to more intertextuality with its (laughs) movies you know like you know imagine a marvel cinematic universe movie if only one survived and people in a future society who don't have the cultural knowledge of who Captain America or Iron Man are, um, what they would make of it, I think it would be something similar to how we look at the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. And <laughs> no, I can that's see that. Really cool. And well, and part of that I think is one of my one of my favorite things about the movie is that it it's it's I've, I I read about it a little bit afterwards and I was like yeah it's it's really goofy it's really funny and I'm like yes it it is those things um, definitely. But something that struck me was just how deadpan and straight face yep. they play everything. Like these are very <laughs> ridiculous situations, and they are. It, it is dead serious sometimes, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's and that's amazing. Like that's really the best, better way to do comedy, right? And like not taking, not taking, not playing serious situations silly, but playing silly situations seriously. Do you know um, Leslie Nielsen? Is that his name? The um... The guy from uh, Airplane and the Naked Gun. Oh movies. yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not understand any of the jokes. <laughs> he had no idea what was funny about them, and that's part of why they loved him so much for the parts. Is that he just said it's so deadpan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it worked. 
Um, and and somehow Jeff Goldblum is not even the best deadpan actor in this movie. I think Peter Weller kills it. He is he is perfect as Buckaroo Banzai because he plays it straight. No, I I feel like no one told him it was a silly movie. Like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, no, I'm a I'm a badass like surgeon uh, scientist you know nuclear physicist whatever mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> i'm uh, yeah this is this is me i'm i'm in a band <laughs> i'm in a band <laughs> he's playing music it's like a big concert and he's like wait wait everybody stop is someone sad out there is, is someone not <laughs> and and it's funny because you at first you think it's like a way to jazz up the crowd even more like, is anyone not having a good time is anyone not having a good time and then it's like Oh, this person's really not having a good time. He's like, no, no, no. I heard someone. I heard someone crying. I heard someone crying. How? <laughs> just up there playing music, anyways. And and my favorite part is that he still the whole time can't get her name right. No, he keeps calling her Peggy. He keeps calling her Peggy, and that that like really hurts her. <laughs> you know, she's like, oh, it's Penny. Oh, what does it it's even Penny. matter? <laughs> Ellen Barkin, uh, also, I think one of the most chronically underrated actors alive um she's phenomenal in everything she's in including um animal nature uh which is her show on tnt uh she's great and for some reason has always been sort of relegated to a character actor um which she's incredible at but i you know just just one of those uh one of those who I, I think has never really gotten the due that she has earned. <laughs> no, I, I agree. So I think like, not that I, not that I want to wrap up, but I, I want to say like, there seems to be a couple different cults within mm-hmm. this one cult, right? It's yeah. like, it's, it's, there's a splintered cult of, of Buckaroo Banzai. And that is the cult we discussed of, Hey, we really like this movie. I want, I want more. I want more. I want to see more Buckaroo Banzai. Either a remake. I want to see a new, a sequel. Uh, you know, whatever it is. I want. To, I, I want to see. I want to see why the watermelon's there. I want to. I want to know why the watermelon's there. And then there's the cult that is like, you know, we don't talk about Buckaroo Banzai Club. Yeah. <laughs> like that's their. You know, they're like, this is our own little isolated thing. You go away, yeah. please. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so I think I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning toward that cult. Um, I am I am happily falling into that cult. <laughs> That's something that I am very contentedly and unabashedly a part of. Um, it's it, like it. There's there's kind of a. I think this is what gets exhausting about some popular properties is the almost you know it's that like sort of truism that no one hates star wars more than star wars fans <laughs> yeah. there's a there's a consumptive and destructive quality to a lot of fan bases you know you 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 love the thing so much that you dissect it inside and out and almost kind of rob it of its like aura or its magic and a part of that is just a glut of supplementary material, um, expanded universe stuff, um, you know, things that are made to capitalize on the success of it, to go to incentivize people to get more into the universe. You can find diagrams of how the millennium Falcon works and every single little component of that ship, even though in the actual movie, a lot of it, like the the original star Wars, a lot of it just came down to what parts they had (laughs) to construct a spaceship looking thing out of. Um, but yeah. then they make a lore around it and they, again, capitalize on it. Um, and this is, I love the opportunity of having a thing that not really that many people have had an opportunity to capitalize on. It's, this was a bomb. Um, any supplementary material that's been brought out is pretty niche. Again, from what I can tell, pretty much just comic books. Um, and that there are no video games. There are no Saturday morning cartoons of Buckaroo Banzai. There's no, there's no expanded universe. And that's kind of refreshing. In fact, no, it's really refreshing. And I I think that's what I find so appealing about it. And so, yes, I am definitely, I am aligned with the people who don't want to know why the watermelon's there, but also I am. I wholeheartedly 
will fall into that cult. That that is some that is a place that I feel comfy calling home. I'll I'll eat the watermelon. You know, I'll like, eat the watermelon. <laughs> I could I'll eat the watermelon indeed. Oh. Yeah, there it is. Um. <laughs> so, but but you know what? Even if you wouldn't, James. Mm-hmm. Even if you wouldn't. Hey hey hey. Now, don't be mean. You don't have to be mean. Because <laughs> remember, you're perfect. No matter where you go. Oh yeah. There you are. There you are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I I thought about the um, I thought about the the line that he gives his uh, like one of his bandmates when he's like, yeah, and, gi- and give her your jacket, and he's like, he's like, why me? He's like, because you're perfect. Because you're perfect. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, you have a point there. <laughs> You do. <laughs> okay, this is this is a tangent if ever there was one. But do you know what that line reminded me of? I don't think you'll ever guess in a million years. Uh, all right, sure, I won't guess in a million years. So. Don't guess. Um, there's a line in M Night Shyamalan's The Happening <laughs> at the beginning when Mark Wahlberg is a teacher. What? And he, I swear to God, there's like this cocky like cocky kid in the class oh, probably and he just goes you should be more interested in science jake you know why because your face is perfect what he just, I, he just says it it's, it's and now amazing. i'm wondering if it's a reference it's amazing what that uh what that that movie is the, the shit that that movie made come out of people's mouths <laughs> like because i I like it leaves yeah. me at a loss for words because it it barely had any that were it, discernible by the English language. Uh, <laughs> just I want to know, I want to know the it's the divine inspiration that made that screenplay happen. Like I, that that is if it's not already that is going to be a cult film. Uh, oh like, yeah, like, I think it already I think it already kind of is. Yeah, but I think like twenty years down the line, people are going to be like people are going to look at this the same way they look at look at the happening the same way they look at like Troll Two. I think mm-hmm. where they're like, you know, every you you could do you can make a list of everything not to do, and this movie did all of it. You know, what's different is that Troll Two that the, the director of Troll Two does not have a movie on AFI's list of 100 greatest American films of all time, and, <laughs> and the director of The Happening does. <laughs> so it's uh, true, ladies and gentlemen. It, so it's it's. It's amazing. This is good. You know, I I I know we went off a lot, a lot of tangents, but I hope I hope that they they made a lot of sense in context of you know because th- yeah. this gave us a good opportunity to talk about you know now versus then in the in relation to you know remakes and cinematic universes and things like mm-hmm. that. That I'm I am really glad that you turned me on to this because it it is a really good you know case study for that kind of thing. Yeah, where, and it and- contrasts so strongly with the today's you know modern you know film film audience that by and large wants every detail they'll ask every question and uh, and sometimes that's to a fault and sometimes even you know that when you when they do that they're like no but not that question you know i think of like you know how han solo got his name (laughs) a question that nobody oh my god i forgot they answered that hey look hey look in fairness in fairness star trek the remake in 2009 did it first and worse with bones do you remember with bones <laughs> yeah i remember they did it but i don't remember how he got so the name. yeah they're he's talking with he's talking with uh, captain kirk who is just oh, just oh wait, no. he's like now i got nothing but my bones yeah wife took everything to divorce wife all took- i got left is <laughs> my bones <laughs> <laughs> again like who who the worst, part, the worst part is that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't. All, all I got left is my bones. You have skin. You have organs. You got all kinds of things, dude. Uh, I don't know. So, so yes. I mean, everyone, uh, everyone like likes to crap on Solo for doing that, but I'm like, hey, hey, hey. Star Trek did it first. Star and then Trek. They saw that. And they saw that movie, and they went, "Give that man a Star Wars. <laughs> Give that man two Star Wars. Give that man two Star Wars." Uh, uh yeah Nazis so, didn't like the second one <laughs> I, I had this thought I was like man has J.J. Abrams made a good movie which yeah. is like which yeah, is yes like, yeah come on I know I know but I'm like I had to think about that right uh-huh. because I'm like Star Trek is bad Into Darkness is terrible uh Rise of Skywalker don't talk to me 
Force Awakens is <laughs> fine. <laughs> Force Awakens, yeah. Force Awakens is good. Um, I I like Super Eight, even though it's two thirds of a good movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That again, neither here nor there. Sorry, we're bringing this up. Uh, but I hope you be, be, don't be mean, James. I'm not gonna do it again, but don't be mean. Don't be mean. <laughs> no matter where you go, there you are. There you uh, are. So yeah, I mean, I hope you enjoyed our our improv pivot episode to uh Buckaroo the the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the eighth dimension. I enjoyed watching it. Um so I hope you guys too. This is widely available. It's free on both YouTube and Vudu with ads. Um so you know How much did you pay for it to rent on Vudu? Nothing. Oh wait, oh okay. I, I don't that's what free with ads means. <laughs> oh, you said free I, I, I missed the free part. Oh, okay. You yeah. said with ads. And I'm like, you better not have paid for that if you had to watch ads during no. it. Because what am I? Oh, okay. A basic Hulu subscription? Zing. Yeah. <laughs> Boom. I just, I hate that too. Oh, the, I hate well, it so I, much. Okay. So I hate that. I hated that at, at the time because, well, when it first came out, because I feel like it was priced the same with Netflix, but it was like, oh, okay. And we're going to have ads. Now it seems like I like, the, I think the with ads is like a four or $5 monthly subscription. Um, oh, so okay. it's very affordable. So I do like that there is this lesser tier that's like, hey, if you don't want it to do the full, you know, you know, ten to fifteen dollar a month, whatever it is, then you can do this this cheap subscription, but you know, it has ads. So wait, did they take that down, or has it always been that? Price? It it, it had the the version with ads was taken down, and then there is okay. a subscription now with Hulu that does not have ads. Got, got it. Okay, because we don't pay for ours. We um we use Kelsey's families. Uh. <laughs> uh. That okay, that makes more sense, and I find that a lot more palatable now. I thought I thought that I was like sort of the average like seven, eight, maybe even ten dollar rate to still have all these ads. So I think okay, <laughs> yeah. that makes more sense. So no, no, you can watch it for free without a subscription on both Vudu or who or YouTube. Okay, okay, <laughs> okay, and yeah, all right. And if you're impetuous like me and don't like ads, just it's like. It's like four bucks, James. <laughs> Don't be a cheapskate. <laughs> oh yeah, so I was, he's got sour grapes over here. He's just like, wait, it was free. Well, it's better than tiny berries. Ha! No, it's small, <laughs> small berries. Small berries. Excuse me. You gotta Sorry. Get the, you gotta get the Just Watch app. There so. are so many. There are so many synonyms. That's true. In the English language. Um, small. Why? What? Wait. What does the Just Watch app do? Oh, the, you remember we went to justwatch.com and you were like, oh, there's no available. So you can, whenever, whenever I do this, Mike, whenever we say, oh, hey, we're oh, that's watch where movie, you find where it's, I just type out, I just type, I just type into just watch, you know, the adventures of Buckaroo Banzai. And then it tells me all the, all the places that I can watch it or rent it or buy it or anything. Um, Today's sponsor is just watch. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of ads, we don't have any, no, uh, we if don't you're have out any. there and you want to sponsor us, Hey. Uh, appreciate it I, uh, sure I'll, I'll shill i don't care <laughs> uh speaking of and speaking of uh, uh people who we've worked with we have been awesome and very fortunate to be to have worked with uh pickford film center the bellingham's only independent cinema uh, in downtown and it what's well, it's just bellingham's only independent cinema not just the one in downtown but it is in downtown um <laughs> and uh Every they do a, a cult film series called Third Eye uh, Cinema, and it's a monthly cult film series. They where they bring all these like crazy cool movies, kind of like exactly what we do, except they just screen them and ha- have someone talk about them. And one of their staff or volunteers submits the idea, and we have been working with them. We did a Third Eye Cinema episode on Death Becomes Her uh, with Lindsay Gerhardt, and then we uh, did an interview about the uh, cult film series with Michaela. Uh, she's the director of Third Eye. And we're going to be doing uh, those in the future. So if you're hoping to see more of those, you will, where we interview them. We're thinking, uh, I was thinking it would be kind of funny and cheeky to do every third episode as a third eye. See what <laughs> I did there? I'm very clever. Um, so that would be, we got one more episode where it's my submission and then we do a third eye. And that actually really, really works out great because it'd be Mike, me, third eye, Mike, me, third eye. Um, but you know what else too, James, is uh, if we have a third person on, it will literally be a third eye. I ah. in the sense of the pronoun. Ah, okay. Ah, I was like, Mike, there'd be six. There's eyes. There's six eyes. <laughs> yes, I know, James. I know. 
Uh, so, <laughs> Not if I can help it. I'm <laughs> done. I'm sorry. So yeah, we um, you can find the Cult Standard wherever you get your favorite podcast. Uh, that's to say, Apple Podcast, Google Play Podcast, uh, Spotify, and then yeah, all those little podcast apps um, that are third party. We're probably on all of them. If you're, we're not, please let us know. Speaking of letting us know, you can find us uh, and contact us on Twitter at cult standard pod or through email send us an email at gmail.com uh sorry cult standard pod at gmail.com just just type gmail.com just we'll gmail that's us you know <laughs> uh, so yeah cult standard pod at gmail.com send us an email leave us feedback at all those places too if you feel so compelled we'd love for you to leave us a review or in a rating at very least say hey these guys suck one star yeah. or we're awesome five stars or ten just stars. be honest uh you know, and it's funny. I, I try to solicit, solicit these ratings. I don't like star ratings. I think they're stupid. Uh, well, <laughs> uh, so yeah, here we are. Uh, hypocrisy. Thy name is. Got it. Got to drive the content wheel forward with something, man. Yeah. And you can find me personally at Jam Cozy. I've been less angry as of late because I've just been ignoring everything. Uh, <laughs> Except the Dragon Prince. Except the Dragon. I, look, I, I gotta, I gotta have something. Okay. I understand. <laughs> It's a little bit less. It's not to not to disparage the work. It's a bit lower stakes than other things. Yes. Yeah. No. I mean, have drawn your ire. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, where can find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at michaelladen eight nine two. Um, hopefully less angry, but no guarantees. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this has been a great episode. We look forward to next time. Um, it's my submission next time. Yep. Probably. Any ideas? I think I want to do the cable guy. Okay. So yeah, we'll that's a, a Ben Stiller film, directed film, starring Jim Carrey, uh, who's very weird, and also Matthew Broderick is there. Um, you, you can, you know, heard. I mean, when it came out, there were polarizing opinions on it, and it's one of the few cult movies I can think of that. I mean, time has not worn away those those edges. It's, yeah, people still have very divergent reactions to it. Yeah, so we're, I'm excited to see where I was from. I have this is another one of those like Step Monster where I have seen it before, but not in any in any capacity where I consider my critical faculties uh, working. I, I was very young, um, probably sub ten, I want to say, but may, maybe a bit older. Who knows? Um, uh, and, I like to think all the James episodes are like us taking a Freudian journey into his <laughs> childhood. <laughs> I watched this movie. I don't know. Was it any good? Let's find out. Uh, <laughs> I'm packing. I'm packing some stuff. <laughs> I'm just working through things. This is my this is my therapy session. Twice a week. Well, sorry, twice a month. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you all for listening and join us. Join us. Yeah, truly amazing.